Do me a favor, Storyside. I, I shared this the other night at our Dream Team meeting. I shared it at 9 o'clock. Uh, but there is more truth to it than what you even realize. And that is anytime that you're somewhere for 18 years like this, they say the average pastor stays three years, especially with our moves, our expansion, buildings. You know, we're now up to five locations. My wife and my four kids, we have a fifth in heaven, but my family has been such an anchor over and over. There was times, honestly, I wasn't sure I wanted to keep going. The truth is this woman was like, you're not quitting. Uh, and that's true. That's sort of even how she said it. Uh, but I am so thankful for my family. Would you appreciate Angel and my children and let them know? You can be seated. I know we've applauded a lot, but we have hundreds of people joining us online today. Just a few of them, Dave and Patsy Hirschner, uh, that have been with us for the 18 years. I love you, uh, Hirschners. Lauren Martin, the Drakes. Uh, Chris, we're talking about life-changing stories. Chris is missing a finger uh, because his drug addictions were so bad. At one point, he cut a finger off to get uh, just a prescription from the hospital to see what not only Chris's, uh, what God's done in Chris's life, but Chris now oversees one of our uh, Freedom Nights and helps other people find freedom from addictions. I love you, Chris. Uh, Bill DeVore, uh, who when we were probably 100 or 200 people, I remember Bill coming and saying, I've been hurt by church and not really into all of that, whatever, and I'm not sure. And little did I know that Bill and his family would get planted at, at our church. And Bill, we've hunted together, breakfasts together. You now live retired, playing softball in Florida, but watches faithfully every week, supports StorySide every week. Divorce, you will always have a special place in my heart. You came at such a key time in our ministry. Uh, they're online. Deb Deems, the list goes on. But StorySide, would you welcome all those joining us online today? Let them know how great it is to have them today. I want to thank you for your heart, for the house offering. I was texting someone just the other day, and I looked down. I was sending a text, and I said, thank you for your heart for the horse. Uh, and I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, I mean house. Uh, but I had people even between services uh, that were bringing, these are all children's ones. Uh, so see that one there, that, that was from a child. Here's another one from, from a child. Here's another one from, from a child. Uh, then we got this one here from, from a business leader. Uh, but whether or not you're a child all the way up, uh, sometimes you look at $60,000 playscapes and $40,000 uh, you know, lighting or LED walls, you look at upgraded sound and things for online, uh, you look at even some of the boring stuff like $30,000 HVAC units and, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars for a water software. Those are the boring ones, um, but they all may, <laughs> they're all important. Uh, but 100% of everything that comes in for Harp of the House, I just want to thank you for being a generous church. And so, uh, of course, on site, on site and even online, uh, thank you so much for, for believing in what God is doing at StorySide. Several of you saw my post online. We were given, it's been about eight months in the making, but we were given a building in Galleon uh, this week. And so we're very thankful for, for that property in Galleon. I've had a lot of people asking me, so for the sake of just one answer, too many. And that way you don't all have to ask when Galleon would be opening uh, and gathering. Not really sure. 
Uh, the blessing has been, uh, the people have been so gracious there. The members have been so gracious, uh, but there's monies in the bank to cover a couple years even of utilities. So the blessing of that is that we don't have to rush into something we can renovate, we can get ready, whether it's the fall or, or beyond. Uh, we're just excited about what God is going to do in Galleon. And thank you to First Baptist Church uh, and the people there who have been so, so. I spent four or five hours, maybe a little bit longer, just on Friday with you. Um, and my heart uh, has been touched hearing 150 plus years of history. And I pray that we're able to just pick up that baton and run a little bit further uh, and see God do some great things in Galleon. So thank, thank you for that. As we celebrate 18 years of our church, I'm, I'm always uh, able to remember the date specifically because it was also my firstborn, my oldest daughter's birthday uh, when we started our church. And so on the 23rd is our actual church birthday. It's also my daughter's 21st birthday. And so happy birthday, Brooklyn. I love you very much. Um, and so I'm... I'm grateful for all five locations now. Uh, if you were to hear some of the stories that I'm able to hear of what's happening in East Knox or Apple Valley location or in Ontario, of course, the property that, that was uh, given to us, we were blessed with in Butler and then now in Galleon. I, I'm so grateful for all of the properties, all of the square footage, everything that happens at all of them. I also know that you could have a lot of properties, but if you don't have the people, uh, it's just not the same. And so uh, the people's really what makes up the church. It's not an either or to me. I'm glad we have a roof over our head. Glad we have lights today. Glad we have restrooms. Glad I have a microphone today. Uh, glad we have the team up here. Worship was just fantastic. So it's not an either or thing uh, to me. I'm thankful for church, buildings, properties, but I'm really thankful for you. Uh, you, the people, you, you make up the church. And so I celebrate StorySide on every level today. I know that there's no perfect church. How many knows that's true? There's no perfect church. That's heaven. I want to share with you a few things, whether it was bulletins or social media promos or advertisements. Some of these I read just this week. Uh, these, hopefully you can smile, you can laugh, you can just realize there is no perfect church. So like a few groans and awes and like, oh no, as just a reminder, there is no perfect church. So I want to share a few of them with you. Uh, the first one, eight new choir robes are currently needed due to the addition of several new members and to the deterioration of some older ones. Uh, that's not funny. Uh, this next one, National Prayer and Fasting Conference. The cost for attending the fasting and prayer conference includes meals. How many wants to go to that fasting conference? You're like, that's my kind of fasting conference. This next one was funny to me. Our peacekeeping training scheduled for this Tuesday. <laughs> Been canceled due to conflict. I love this next one. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on the water. The sermon tonight. <laughs> Searching for Jesus. Anyone that was raised in the let's go to church in morning and night era, you went to church, yeah. Um, my, my, I think we had church almost every day. I'm not kidding. My dad ran about 150 people and we had church all the time. I always joked over the years, I, I, when I was a kid, I had a drug problem. Then my parents drugged me to every service, lady auxiliaries, men's meetings, perm meetings. Um, th this next one, all singles 
Uh, where's my single people at? All the single ladies? And I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I shouldn't have said that. As soon as I said it, I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. Um, all singles are invited to join us at 7 p.m. for our annual Christmas. So I didn't write any of these. I think that was supposed to say sing along. <laughs> That's not funny. Okay, ladies, just a couple more. Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Well, don't let worry kill you. Our opening cantata, this is just a reminder, church isn't perfect. Our opening cantata song is, this is why there should be a second set of eyes on stuff. Come on, churches. Come on, churches. I love this next one. Dolores and Patrick request, oh, yes, they do. Oh, yes, they do. A couple more. The evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be, what is hell? (laughs) On Sunday, a special collection will be taken to defray the expense of the new carpet. All those wishing to do something on the new carpet... That's gross. Uh, Our ushers. I think that's supposed to say seat. Uh, I think. I think it's supposed to say seat. For those of you who have children and don't know it, All right, a couple of more. How many knows it's good for the joy of the Lord? The Bible talks about laughter. Laughter is actually a good thing. Um, Just a couple of more. Uh, The low self-esteem gathering will be Thursday at 7 p.m. (laughs) Our worship team invites any church member... I think it's supposed to say singing, just the guess. All right, last three. Our ladies' Bible study will be held Thursday at 10 a.m. All ladies are invited to lunch in the fellowship hall. (laughs) After the Bible study is done. After the Bible study is done. Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers will meet at 7 p.m. at the First Presbyterian Church. I didn't write any of these. I didn't write. I'm just telling you there's no perfect church. Last one, the associate pastor unveiled the church's new tithing campaign slogan last Sunday, I upped my pledge. Um. <laughs> we need to pray for churches, right? <laughs> like, we need... 
I want to talk to you in, in the next 20 minutes on this subject. I know we've had a lot happening today in celebrations and people sharing stories and offerings and applauses. And uh, today's a special day. People are eating cookies out there and just a lot going on. I want to share with you something God really put on my heart. I was going one direction. I think it was Monday or Tuesday, whatever day. I was going one direction and just felt like the Holy Spirit just shifted a different direction. So I do believe whether you're on site or online, I don't think, as it was said earlier, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think God wants you to hear this message today. And so I'm asking you just to lean in. I know a lot's happened. Just lean in for the next 20 minutes and say, God, speak to me today. Let your word do something powerful in my life right now. Uh, we're going to continue talking about living in denial, living in denial. Can we say that together? Living in denial. Mark chapter number eight, he called the crowd and his disciples together and said to them, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, for God's sake, whoever loses his life for my sake and I was really drawn to this, and for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes we can say, I'm just living for the Lord. I'm just living for the Lord. It's very interesting that Jesus says, whoever loses their life for my sake, and so the good news gets out. Whoever does that will save it. A question that I have asked many times over my 31 years of ministry. So I went to Bible college in 1990, born and raised in Canada. Went to Bible college in 1990, and on the weekends, they would send us out to different churches. And then I traveled for a few years, schools and prisons and Indian reserves. I've spoken at a lot of Indian reserves across Canada, and then into the States, over 300 churches, uh, spoke in, whether it was juvenile detentions or prisons. And if I really sat down and tried to process how many times that I have asked the question that I'm going to ask again right now, just the question have you given your life to the Lord? This is probably the most important thing that I've ever said to people. Have you given your life to the Lord? Because when your life is over, this question is going to really, really matter to every one of us. Have I given my life to the Lord? Am I truly following Jesus? Am I fully following Jesus? Jesus. There's no such thing as low-cost Christianity. It's not like one foot in, one foot out. It's not double-minded. It's not either or. It's not when I feel like it. It's you and I saying, I, I want him to be the savior of my sin. We're all born in sin. I want him to be my savior. And then also I want him to be my Lord. That means that every single day for the rest of my life, I want him to be the Lord of my life. A question that would follow up to even that question is, is just this, am I, am I living my life? So not only have I given my life to the Lord, am I living? Am I living my life for the Lord? If we looked at our phones, screen time, calendars, schedules, appointments, would someone look at your phone and be like, wow, this guy, this guy is following Jesus? Or would they see maybe that so many other things sneak into your schedule and you got so much on your plate and you're so busy that 
someone would scroll and be like, I mean, he tries to go when he can. I mean, he, well, well, whether or not it's your mind, your thoughts, what you and I look at, where we go, what we do, how we spend our money. Am I living my life for the Lord? Would someone look at your bank account, your expenditures, and be and and, and I'm all and I'm all for the blessings of these things. And you know, maybe you would say, Pastor Micah, I bought this, I went there, this trip, this vacation. People just scan scan through your you know your bank statements or your your monies. Or I'm just saying, if if the Holy Spirit was to even look at just that area of our life, would they say, Wow, he or she is really living their life for the Lord. Because we could look at our calendars, or for those of you that are old school and still write checks, hello, right? So, so some of this younger generation, they'd be like, what is that? What's a, what's a checkbook? But however you handle your schedule, however you handle your monies, would someone look at those things and say, wow, they're really living their life for the Lord? I'm a huge sports person. You know, growing up, I, 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 love, I love all kinds of sports. Of course, in Canada, my, my affinity, you know, is with hockey. And God has given me the opportunity to do some chapel stuff in, in for the NFL side of things. And then, of course, in hockey, do, do some chaplaincy things in hockey as well, on whether it's local or college levels or professional levels. And I love, I love sports. So anytime I talk about sports, it'd be easy for people to be like, wow, is Micah anti-sports? And actually, I love sports. But even having four kids and, and several of them play travel sports and different things, it's so easy sometimes, not just for time, just, just flip this even for a moment as we're talking and think about your giftings, where sometimes people could be very gifted in a certain area of their life. So, so for example, maybe they're gifted in being a coach, a coach, or gifted in being a volunteer, gifted in all these things. And they're like, well, on Tuesday nights this, and on Thursday nights this, and this weekend we're out of town with this, and all these different things. But then if we ask ourselves the question, do I use those giftings of coaching or mentoring for God? When's the last time that I said, I want to take that young man, that young woman, and I want to, you know, not everyone has active parents in their life. Not everyone. Has, and, and do I use some of those giftings for God? Now, I know sometimes when we ask these questions, it's like, oh, I just want my cookie and leave. Uh, I, I, I get it. I understand, but I think it's fair questions that we all ask ourselves, am I living my life for the Lord? You know, someone could play a guitar, play an electric bass. I, I've met people over the years, it's like, Pastor Micah, I'm in the education world, I'm a teacher, whatever, but I don't want to do the whole teaching in church thing. And listen, I, I get it. If this is where you're like, I need my break, this is the last place I needed is to do it here. But in your giftings, it doesn't matter in what area. It could be that coaching. It could, it could be education. It could be in the medical world. You know, we have a medical team and people that every weekend will serve medical teams and stuff. I just think all of us sometimes, we have these giftings and talents that we will give to everything and everyone else. But do I give any of those things to God? Am I living my life for the Lord? Billy Graham said, when we come to Christ, we're no longer the most important person in the world to us. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal, and that is to live for Jesus. We live for Jesus. You see, it's easy to live my life for me. 
So I won't even put it on you, I'll put it on me. It's easy to live my life for me. So sometimes I, I can even get jealous. If I talk to friends of mine and they're like, you know, we've got one location, two or three or 400 people. I'm not talking about numbers. I'm just talking about just like life, period. Sometimes when, when we talk, I can almost get jealous of, I miss the days of like one service and like, I'm going to go eat pie at your, I love pie. Uh, you know, when we're like 100, 200 people, I'm a member at the, the golf course and I'm playing golf three times. Well, I actually, my game got actually halfway decent. Now it stinks. Uh, you guys are the problem. Uh, I go up like four or five times a year and I, I, I'm, I'm horrible now. Um, but some, I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it can almost be like, wow, you know, if I commit to the worship team or if I commit to ushers or greeters or if I commit to student ministry or if I commit to taking my church, you know, family to church everywhere, you know, all the time. And I get it. I get it. Sometimes it would be so much easier to pull way back and not, not be that person that says, God, I want to give you everything. Here it is, whatever you want to do with my life. But I think it's a fair question to every one of us. Am I living my life for the Lord? I'm not saying you got to be a church freak. I'm not saying that you got to abandon all those things and not go to the lake. When people tell me I got tickets to the game or I'm going on a trip, I celebrate with you. I know what it's like. I was raised in church. I know what it's like when the church makes you feel guilty for missing. It's like Monday, like, hey, where was you Sunday? You know, I, I, so I don't do that to people. I don't, if, you, if you miss a couple weeks, I'm not like putting that pressure on you. I was raised that way. I want you to enjoy family. I want you to enjoy life. But as your pastor, I also don't want, want you to live your life and get to the end of your journey and you didn't use your gifts and talents and things for the Lord. When we talk about when we talk about, am I fully following Jesus? Am I giving my life to the Lord? There's two things that are taking place in every one of our lives. Number one, you're battling yourself. Jesus said, you got to deny yourself. You have to lose. He said, you, you, you got to be willing to lose. Well, most people don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Who wants to lose? Some people don't like losing in Uno. Some people don't like losing in Monopoly. You're like, I'm out of here cash is flying and the little thimble and the little cars. Where did it go? And you don't like to lose. Jesus said, well, no, if you're going to follow me, you got to lose. You got to lose. You got to lose some like, I want my way and my preferences and my passions. He said, no, you got to lose some of those things. Because every one of us, we're going to battle self and we're going to battle Satan. The Bible says in Galatians 5, the sinful self wants what is against the spirit. The spirit wants what is against the sinful self. They're always fighting against each other so that you don't do what you really want to do. The wrong things the sinful self does are clear. Committing sexual sin, being morally bad, doing all kinds of shameful things, worshiping false gods, taking part in witchcraft, hating people, causing trouble, being jealous, angry of selfish, causing people to argue and divide on Facebook and Instagram. Well, it doesn't say that, but... Um, it would fit, I think. I mean, being filled with envy, getting drunk, having wild parties, doing other things like this. I warn you now, as I warned you before, the people who do these things will not have a part in God's kingdom. In our final few minutes, I just want you to understand that your flesh, my flesh, doesn't want me to live for the Lord. Yourself, your own self, your flesh doesn't want you to live for the Lord. Yourself will talk you out of even going to church. Yourself will talk you out of Bible reading and prayer. Yourself will talk you out of forgiving. Yourself will talk you out of sacrificing. Yourself will talk you out of yourself. He said, you got to deny yourself. So when yourself starts saying, 
You've got to be like quiet flesh, quiet self. I have to deny myself. Why? Because I want to follow Jesus. And, and not only do you have self, you have Satan. Satan, the devil. The Bible says you don't wrestle just against flesh and blood. So you're like, I can't stand the person on my job. I can't stand the person in my school. Pastor Micah, my neighbor, if you knew my in-laws, if, well, you don't just wrestle flesh and blood. There's spiritual wickedness. There's spiritual wickedness right now trying to take your family out. There's spiritual wickedness trying to take your future out. So let me ask you today, have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Satan fights you so hard when it comes to your spirituality? Like every time that you're like, I'm serious this time. I'm going to be the man of God, the man of God in my house. I can't speak for the past and what happened eight years ago or 20 years ago, but I'm going to step up. I'm going to lead my family. You know, they say 92% of men don't want to go to church. Every weekend I walk in here and I see men everywhere, parking lots, serving lobbies. I'm so glad we're defying those odds. Shout out to all the men that I believe still love Jesus, still want to serve God. But have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Satan fights you so hard when it comes to your spirituality? Have you ever wondered why your flesh fights you so hard when it comes to your faith? I don't have all the answers today, but, but do you think that, that the enemy knows if you ever got serious? Do you think the enemy knows if you were ever really rooted or if you stop being 50-50 or like one foot in and one foot out? Do you think the enemy knows if you were to ever do that, if you were ever really to commit your life to Christ? Do you think the devil knows that the future of your family or your kids is being determined by how you handle your life right now? Do you think he knows the difference you could make if you would ever get serious? Do you think like right now today at, is that 11.52? Do you think like right now in this moment as we're wrapping up a message that the enemy understands I've got to fight him with everything within me? Do you think the enemy knows I've got to get her off track? I don't care if it's ticking her off. I don't care if it's offense. I don't care if someone says something. I don't care if it's even me. Do you think the enemy is like I'll use anything and everything to get them off track because I know, I know if they were ever to get serious about their spirituality. In our final few minutes, you see a tree up here that's not rooted, it's laying down. You see a tree over here that, that is much healthier. There's green. In our final few minutes, I want to read one final verse to you. Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted. Everyone say planted. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Notice that, they will flourish. Verse 14, they will still bear fruit in old age. So much for people's like, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70, I'm 80, I'm 90. I don't need to do all that anymore. Let the young people do it. No, the Bible says if you're planted, even though you're up in years, you're not going around all grumpy and mean like, oh, I've been hurt by the church and seven years ago and all they want's my money and a bunch of hypocrites. He said, no, if you're really planted, you could be getting up in years, you could still be saying, I love the church. 
I love God's presence. I love when the worship team is singing. I feel the presence of God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I'm in God's house that he said that could happen for you if you're planted in God's house. Proclaiming the Lord is upright, not grumpy, not mean, not posting about everything wrong. He said, you're going to be saying things like, he is my rock. He's my foundation. He's my anchor. So question today, are you planted? Are you planted right now? Recent studies and surveys said people go to church on average of 17 times a year. Now some more recent ones are saying it's potentially 12 times. We joke about how many of us when we're kids that, that it's that drug problem kind of church. But now we are so busy with everything imaginable that we don't have time to eat together as a family. We don't have time to pray over a meal together as a family. We don't have time for couples devotions. We don't have time to get a Bible app or a Bible and read a verse of Scripture. We don't have time to bring our kids to students. We don't have time to bring our family to church. We don't have time. And I just want to press pause for a moment on an 18th anniversary and remind you the difference between an individual that is not planted versus a person that is planted. You and I need to recommit in 2021 to being planted in a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you and I are planted, everything from being rooted to being committed to the process of being planted, the time that it takes, the seasons that happen. I don't know a lot about farming and trees and timber and stuff, but, but the house that I live in now, it has some farmland around it. I know nothing about farming, Aaron, but, but in the last couple of years, just talking to farmers and leases and details, and they're telling me like knee high by July and all this stuff. I didn't even know what that stuff was. But, but I pray it now. I pray it when I walk down on my morning walks and evening walks. I will walk down, Jeremy, down my driveway, and I'll be praying like knee-high kind of prayers, like different stuff. I heard them say, I want the farm to be favored. I want it to bless those farmers. I, I want the right rain, the right all that. And I didn't even know any of that stuff a few years ago. But my point is, I don't walk down the driveway and say in a March or April, like, God, bless the beans this year. God, just do something like let it, you know, even last year, Josiah, my farmer, would text me, we need some rain, or we need some sun, or we need it to dry up, or we need, and I love getting little updates, because I'd just be walking down, saying different prayers about it, but I don't walk down the driveway, turn around 20 minutes later, and like walk back up, and there's all the beans, like, whoa, like, that's not what happens right? There's time that's involved. There's sun that matters. There's light. There's water. Well, it's the same thing with being planted in a relationship with God. It's not always sunshine. You know, sometimes they'll actually with plant, we, we said at nine o'clock, I say, can't say crap. So I'm not going to say crap at this service. I'll say manure. Uh, but even some things that get planted, they put manure and all the different stuff over certain kinds of things because Sometimes even in moments of harvest with that stuff, it gets messy. When you plant your family in the house of God, when you plant yourself in the house of God, 
it's not always perfect. You're not always going to have every day or every week where it's like, you know, no one rubs me the wrong way. No one ever upsets me. There's always going to be, why is it raining? Why is it so hot? Why is there manure on me? Why is, I know we're talking symbolically, but sometimes when you stay planted, it's just saying, I know seasons change. I know not everything happens like this. I walk down the driveway. I walk back up. Wow, my husband's better than my kids are safe. I know it's seasonal, but when you stay planted, the writer said, if you will plant yourself, you will reap the reward of the harvest. And I want to remind someone today, come on, stay planted. Stay planted. There's no place like being planted in God's presence with God's people. The peace that comes, the strength that comes, the refreshing that comes, the realignment, the refocus. I've I've had so many people over the years, Jenny, that have told me I came one way to a service. When I went back to my car, my truck, that song, that sermon, there was just a shift in everything. That's the power of being in God's presence with God's people. The psalmist tells us you want to plant yourself there. You want to plant your emotions, your thoughts. You want to plant your marriage, you want to plant your kids, you want to plant your family, whether it's interns or singles, you want to plant yourself in God's house. Say, Pastor Michael, why do you get, you know, my kids are getting a little bit older now, but my younger guys used to always say like, Dad, why do you sweat? Why do you raise your voice? You know, you have like a thing that pops out when you do that. That's what my kids told me. Like, you guys are so encouraging. Sometimes I get really passionate about it, honestly, because in 31 years, I've seen the difference between people who don't take planting serious and people who take planting serious. Because the reality, you, you could even ask me today, like, Pastor Micah, why does online matter so much? And Maritha in Iowa and Dean Anderson in the state of Washington and Mary Tomlinson in, in Canada. Why, why, why does all that stuff matter? Why does it matter all these locations? When's enough enough? Why, why are we putting in a playscape? Why a new kids ministry? Why a new students area? Why are we? Because I understand there's all kinds of other places that are trying to plant your kids there. They have no problem with planting them at a ball field. They have no problem with planting them in college, telling them that God and science and, you know, he might have been a good guy, but he's not really God. They have no problem with planting them in a classroom and telling them identity doesn't matter and gender doesn't matter and family. They have no problem with planting them there. And I just believe if we plant them in God's house, come on, Storyside, I'm going to plant my children in the presence of God, the Spirit of God, the Word of God. Come on, I want my family. I want your family. I want our children to be planted in the house of God. Would you say it with me? Say, stay planted. Stay standing if you would with me. Stay planted. Stay planted. Planted people prosper. Many of you are here today, so it's twofold. I I think, you know, my my youngest is 11 right now, Micaiah Solomon. I I know sometimes that that maybe he's not even grasping everything going on right now. I was 11 once. Maybe he doesn't grasp everything right now. 
but I want my kids 10, 20, 30 years from now to look back and say, Dad, thanks for staying planted. I love your cards. I love your letters. I love your emails. I love your texts. It means the world to me. But before I'm ever a pastor, I'm a dad, and I want my kids to tell me one day, Dad, thanks for staying planted. I know you could have uprooted. I know you could have been over here, but thank you for staying planted. And I want to ask you today, Parents, grandparents, guardians, coaches, if you have influence over children or students, I'm not just talking 2021, I'm talking 10 and 20 years from now that I think you have family that's going to look back and say, when everything was going crazy with society or our economy or politically, whether or not it's COVID or anything else at play, I wanna thank you mom, dad, grandparent for staying planted in the presence of God. I think down the road they'll look back and say, I am who I am because you chose to stay planted. We're getting ready to pray, but I would go so far as to say the reason I think you're here right now. I talked to your brother, Joe. I don't know where Joe was at, Jeremy, but I was talking to Joe when he was coming in. I never met your dad. He was a pastor in Mount Vernon, multiple church buildings and houses. I would have given anything to, to know your dad. I really would have. I feel like I know your dad in a way through you and Joe and your family. But, but I would go so far as to say, I think Jeremy Overholt is here right now. Your kids come to student nights. And Isaiah's always serving here for hours on end, moving tables and chairs. And I think even those multi-generations, I believe that if I was to back up, so we're 2021 right now, if I would back up to, to 2011, or if I were to back up to 2001, or if I was to back up to 1991, I believe that your family is reaping some of the benefits and blessings right now because somewhere along the line, I don't know your dad's story, but I guarantee you that self and Satan slipped in and said, why are you doing what you're doing? You're wasting your time. I think you told me started in a living room or garage or whatever it was. I'm just telling you today, I believe your family is reaping the benefits of your dad staying planted year after year after year after year. And I just wanna tell someone today, stay planted. Stay planted in Bible reading. Stay planted in prayer time. Stay planted in the presence of God. You don't really know. Some of you today, some of you today, you are who you are right now because someone prayed for you. Someone believed in you. Someone sowed their little, might not have called it heart for the house, but they done something like that because they thought, I want them, I want them to experience the goodness of God. You know, when I read, when I read this verse of scripture, Sherry, I got so excited on the part where it was saying, if you stay planted, they will flourish. They will say good things. They, they'll be able to be green. They'll get old, old with age. And I, I was reading through all that. And so I'd gone to several different commentaries, just reading some of the context of those four verses. And it said, while there's 2,700 palm trees, what they said was they believed that when he said that particular palm tree, that Aaron, it was the date palm tree. So then I started reading all the commentary stuff on the date palm tree. There was a lot of stuff, but this one jumped out to me in particular. This jumped out to me in particular. It said a date palm tree, Justin, a date palm tree usually doesn't produce anything the first 30 years. 30 years. 
but at the 30, you don't have a little bit here and there, but not much at the 30 year mark is when it hits full stride. And it said at that point, it will start producing 300 to 400 pounds baits a year, a year. I started thinking of all the baby dedications I've done over the years and parents that will tell me like, Pastor Micah, you know, the Bible says train up a child and the way they'll go. And I've got a 14 year old renegade and rebel and I've got an 18 year old and they know everything. And I've got, I just had a lot of parents tell me that stuff. When I was reading this the other day, I almost wanted to do a whole sermon just on talking to like date palm tree parents that I know maybe it's not always the 30 year mark but sometimes you can look at that tree and be like, why isn't our marriage there yet? Why is our children not there yet? Why is my ministry not there yet? And the enemy will start lying to you. Uproot, uproot, just leave. Why don't you just leave? It's not happened yet. Why don't you just leave? But the writer here said, if you stay planted, and he compares it to that kind of a tree, the 30-year tree, if you'll stay planted, you will flourish. So I just want to give a shout out to some people that maybe you're holding on to like that message. That was from 2007 on, on the video when I was talking about, I still want my word. Maybe not everything has happened yet that you want to happen. Maybe you're not to your 30 year mark kind of a thing. Can I just encourage you today? Stay planted, stay planted, stay planted. I want to pray with you today. If you would just close your eyes, give me the opportunity to pray for you we close our service today. I've asked the question a lot, but, but I want to ask it again. Have you given your life to the Lord? Are you living your life to the Lord? We're all born in sin you've never given your life to Jesus I don't know how messy it is I don't know how broken it is but but I think his arms are open wide for you today I think his love and grace and mercy would tell you just just come just just come just give me your life today let me help you flourish maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus I've met people over the years I I've had them tell me, Micah, when I get my life together, I'll do it. When I get my life together, I'll do the God thing. I just need to remind you today, that's not how it works. You don't get your life together to get God. You can bring him all the pieces and parts. He's the one that puts us back together. So maybe today in the room or online, maybe you need to give your life to Jesus. You've never really planted yourself in a relationship with God. I'm not asking you to plant in religion today. There's no book to sign. I'm not asking you to pay any dues. I'm asking if you would be open to having a relationship with Jesus. With Jesus. The Bible says when we repent of our sin, which means we say we're sorry, that we want to turn our life around, that when we'll pray that kind of a prayer, he'll listen, he'll forgive us. Maybe you would say, but, but I don't know about me, Mike, I've done a lot of things. Can I tell you today, there's no one too far gone for God. 
He didn't just die for some sin or most sin. He died for all sin. He died for you. Maybe others today, you've given your life to Christ, but you know that self or Satan, you know that things are trying to uproot you. They're trying to uproot you. And the greatest prayer you could pray right now is to say, God, help me to stay planted. Don't let anything or anyone uproot me. Help me to stay planted. Planted in my calling, planted in my purpose, planted in my commitment, planted in my faith. The greatest prayer you could pray is to stay planted. For some of you, it's not just for you. You're praying a prayer that's going to affect your family and even generations. But if you feel God speaking to you today, you would just say, Pastor Micah, will you pray for me? Ultimately, it's your way of telling God, 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 I'm listening today. If this is why you shifted his message on Tuesday, if it was for me, I'm listening. I just want you to raise a hand right now just as a way of telling God, you have my attention. Thank you, thank you, hands. Hands are going up all over the room. God, you have my attention. God, I pray over every person today, whether it's that person who's saying for the very first time, God, save me. Or if it's someone who's saying, you know, I've, I've given my life to Christ, but I'm not fully committed. I, I don't know if I'm living my life for the Lord. Someone that you're calling to recommitment today, to really get planted, to say that I, I don't want the world to shape my belief system. God, I want you to shape my life. I want you to order my steps. I pray that you would meet every person at their prayer right now. Whether they're thinking a prayer, saying a prayer, for some people they're crying a prayer. They're crying a prayer. The, the book of Revelation will say that tears talk. They have a language that, that tears are accounted for. And even for that person that can't even say the right words right now, their tears, their tears are just talking to heaven right now. I pray that you would hear their heart today. I pray that you would sweep over them with strength and encouragement, that you would help that person to know when the waves, when the season, when the wind, when all of those storms of life are trying to take them out, that God, you are going to help them to stay rooted, to stay planted. And I pray these prayers today. I feel your love right now and I'm thankful for it. I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Storyside, are you thankful for Jesus today? Would you let him know how thankful for 18 years for what he's done in your life personally? Come on, let him know. Thank you, Jesus. Because we are here.
Coming to you. 